living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's a joy to be with you on this third Sunday of Advent. Because it is joy that is the theme of the liturgy, we symbolize that on the Advent wreath by this pink candle. It is the expression of the joy of God and his life and love for us. I also am grateful to be in the pulpit again. And your rector, your fine rector, Father Bumstead, is also in the pulpit, but he is preaching at All Souls Church for Father Matt Ainsley today. So we pray for him as well. We are faced with a question in this gospel reading today, which is profound. Are you the one, or should we look for another? Gordon Crosby, who was the pastor of Church of the Savior in the inner city of Washington, D.C., for over 44 years, a man whose servant ministry gave him a profound pastoral wisdom, When he was asked whether he had anything to say about sharing the good news and the joy of the gospel on the suffering continents of Africa or South America or the Third World or even here within the United States, if he had anything to say about sharing the gospel, and he responded with these words, Always remember that each person you see in the congregation sits next to his or her own pool of tears. Let me say that again. Always remember that each person you see in the congregation sits next to his or her own pool of tears. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that although joy is a promise of God in Jesus Christ, that joy also has to be found in the courage to be a human being. And that in the existential realities of life, we face suffering, we face difficulties, we face obstacles, we face doubts, we face questions that emerge to us. We have our own pools, they're different, some are deeper, some are muddier, some have been caused by what has been done to us or what we have done to others many different kinds of pools, and the list can go on and on. And certainly, Gordon Crosby's words have always been important to me because they've increased my discomfort with any kind of spiritual talk that overlooks the pain that people experience, kind of bypassing, if you will, spiritual bypassing of hard questions. Let's take a look at first John's condition, John the Baptist's condition, and the hard question he had to ask. He was in prison, waiting his execution, in a dark, smelly, cold, lonely, forgotten prison. He had spoken truth to power. He had called out Herod. And now he was about to be beheaded. One can imagine a pool of tears for him. He had been so confident 
when he announced just two weeks ago when we heard him say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Anybody can have doubts. If John the Baptist can, spiritual doubts about Jesus, sometimes it's hard to believe. We may not be in a literal prison, but we can be trapped by our existential circumstances, our losses, our griefs, our troubles, our difficulties. I find this exceedingly relevant. But this was John's condition. And sometimes we need to stop and pause and think a little bit about our condition, our pool of tears. I'm not trying to be morose. I'm just trying to say it's in that reality that joy begins to be discovered in profound ways because of who Jesus is. So next, John's question, not only his condition, but his question. And the question, my goodness, what a question. I think it's, it's one of those questions we all have to deal with. Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one we can count on? Are you the one that is truly the living God? Are you the one where I can place my faith? Are you the one who gives me hope and courage in the midst of my journey? Are you the one who shows me what love is all about? Are you the one who has mercy to forgive my sins? Or should I look for another? Ever been there? There have been times when I've questioned, especially in tragedy, in difficulty, in hardship, in suffering, because my expectations of Jesus have not been fulfilled. And you see, people have a difficulty with Jesus. If he doesn't come through the way that they expect him to come through, then what do they do? They'll look for another. Some other way to find meaning and hope and fulfillment. It's just part of who we are. Here's kind of a funny way of looking at it. Well, not funny, but it's human. Some of you may remember romantic love. That's not a joke. I mean, we still want to re- remember romantic love. You know what I'm saying. Okay, so when you were in college or high school or whatever, chances are you had a question on your mind. Is she the one? Is he the one? Right? That kind of romantic sense of what this is all about. I can tell you, I was able to say that with confidence. She's the one. (laughs) She still is. But this is much more profound because this is the God of love in Jesus Christ. And so John the Baptist is concerned. He, He wanted to see the Messiah come as scriptures indicated he would with fiery judgment and military might and overthrow the Roman occupation. And now Jesus is coming in vulnerability and in weakness and he's with weak people. Where's the fiery judgment? And so he has doubt. And he asks the question, Are you the one? Now, Jesus then responds with compassionate understanding. You see, when you see Jesus in the Gospels, you need to understand that he is the human face of God. What is God like? God is Jesus-like. 
And he responds with compassion. He doesn't reprimand John. He doesn't say, you, whatever. He says, go tell John. Go tell John the good news. Everywhere, signs of life, signs of restoration, signs of healing, signs of dignity, signs of justice are breaking out. Look at Isaiah 35, which we heard this morning. Your God will come. The blind, the lame, the poor, the lepers are cleansed. I did not come in strength to bring judgment. I came to bear the judgment for you. I think that John's pool of tears got even deeper then. Not out of sadness or grief, but out of joy. Because he understood. See, Jesus expands our understanding. Sometimes we get it so narrowed down. Jesus wants to expand our hearts and our minds to see that God loves, God cares, even in the midst of the most profound tragedy and suffering we experience. Otherwise, who could we trust? The one who was lifted high upon the cross in suffering love for us. It's the great inversion. So Jesus' credentials are pretty strong. And I would say to you, did Jesus answer the question? Oh, yes, he did. He was basically saying, there's only one person who can do this, the Messiah. And so just take a look and see what's happening. Well, here's the challenge. He goes on to say, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. That's a new beatitude. We, we have the, the ten beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the great inversion. You see, people want to know, well, who has the good life? Who has the, the good life? The, who's living well? And Jesus says, it's not who you think. It's anyone who stumbles into the kingdom of God. They have the good life. The poor in spirit have the good life. See, we think it's, you know, about accumulation and achievement and acclaim. No, Jesus says, it's about my love. And anyone can experience it if they will place their confidence and their trust that the kingdom of God is available now to you. So to John in prison and to us, wherever we may happen to be, Jesus says, no, you didn't make a mistake. I am the one. But I am more than you can imagine, more than you dare to dream. Blessed are the ones who are not scandalized by me. The only perfect image of who God is is Jesus Christ. And among the key biblical texts, the most significant one to me is this. comes from John. Nobody has ever seen God. The only begotten God who is intimately close to the Father, he has brought him into the light. He has made God visible. That's what Jesus is saying to John. Yes, my salvation can come to you just the way you are, but it only comes to people who are not satisfied with the way they are because they are weak. They know they are poor, blind, lame, suffering. And when grace comes into your life just the way you are, it brings a new power of hope and of love. Confidence in God. Blessed, Jesus said. Flourishing. I am offensive, but I'm the source of all flourishing in life. 
You know, people get offended by Jesus. Have you ever been offended by him? I have. Read his words. I mean, there's some real zingers in there. I want to be in control of life. Jesus says, you must die to yourself. Let me tell you a story, and then I'll finish. Along the way of my years in ministry, I was, I guess, blessed. Sometimes people might question the word blessed, but I was blessed to be the deputy to the, a deputy to the general convention five times. And in 2012, when I was rector of St. Michael's and All Angels in Mission, Kansas, the convention was held in Indianapolis, and there were two special speakers that were going to be at this convention of the Episcopal Church. One was Father Henry Nowen, and so I said, I'm definitely going to that. And then I found out that the other one that was going to be speaking was a spiritual leader in South Africa, the Archbishop of Cape Town, Desmond Tutu. And I said, I think I'm going to go to that convention. More than any other spiritual leader in South Africa, Desmond Tutu has constantly worked in the public arena to affirm the good news that God loves each and every human being. And recently he had an interview with a journalist from the British newspaper, The Telegraph. And the journalist had traveled to South Africa to get a message from Desmond Tutu. They were sitting at the dining room table and Desmond spoke about his struggle with prostate cancer, his views about the afterlife, his relationship with God. And Archbishop Tutu, sensing that this reporter was a lapsed Anglican. Isn't that great? Lapsed Anglican? How many of you are lapsed Anglicans? No, you're in church today, so you're, all, you're covered. But Desmond, sensing this, leaned across the table and said in a voice barely above a whisper, he said these words. And I want you to hear these words, not only as the Archbishop of Cape Town, Desmond Tutu, but as the Messiah, Jesus. Listen. God loves you as you are, with your doubts, with your intellectual reservations, with your inability to make the leap of faith. God says, I made you. Actually, I made you as you are, just because I love you. Don't try to make yourself attractive or acceptable. Just be who you are and know that I affirm you. You matter enormously to me. You matter as if you were the only human being and you know something? I create only masterpieces. I have no doubt at all about your worth. You don't have to do anything. Your worth for me is intrinsic. Please believe that I love you. You're not going to find ultimate satisfaction in anything out there because I made you like me. May God be praised, Father, Son, and